We're going to tell you how Ole Miss is going to win the game Saturday. And we're going to tell you what they need to avoid. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. We'll get right to it. Ole Miss has a big game this weekend. What does Ole Miss need to do to win the game? Now, Ole Miss has SEC athletes. Ole Miss has better players on both sides of the ball. That is not really disputable at this point. And using that, that's going to go a long way to determine who wins this game. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications for videos, which there are many, and of course, upvote the video itself. So, we're just going to say right off the top, Ole Miss has SEC athletes and they have better players than Troy. That is absolutely true and that's not really disputable. But we're going to talk about what they need to avoid in the next segment. So how are they going to beat them? Well, potentially Zach Evans is the best player on the field for either team. They need to figure out a way to utilize him and utilize him effectively. If people are expecting an offense of what Lane Kiffin did with Amari Cooper and those guys with Alabama, no. Picture the offense kind of what what Alabama did with Derrick Henry when Lane Kiffin was giving him the ball 45 times a game. Now, I don't think they're going to give Zach Evans the ball that much, but that is in Lane Kiffin's past, and that cannot really be ignored. So we're going to look at that and take that basically as his word because he's actually done it in a situation that was quite important. So I think Zach Evans is going to get a healthy healthy um, portion of the touches in the Ole Miss-Troy game. I think the quarterback situation, I want to see them come out and play smooth. They don't have to play well. Just don't play bad and play smooth. Don't turn the ball over. Do not put the ball at risk. Just play smooth. It's not necessarily something where the outside receivers are in a difficult or different position that you would normally see. The inside receivers in this offense, the tight end and the um, slot receiver, are going to be the go-to, the primaries. And that's just because near the line of scrimmage is where the players are. So if you're running an RPO, it's usually off of those guys. Now, there are second and third layer RPOs now. We've evolved past the original RPO back five, six, seven years ago. Now... They can do it a little bit differently, but most of the plays are still going to be in the center of the field. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that in football, if you are any age of all at all, if you are my age or above, when everybody talked about it, everybody said a young quarterback wants to throw the ball outside the numbers because there's less bodies in there, and they have a better chance of being successful. And in the age of the Dan Marino-style drop-back passers, that was the system that worked. But in the age of the RPO, the funny thing is all these young quarterbacks and everything, they want to do it in the middle of the field. Everything's in the middle of the field. Everything happens between the hashes, and the outside receivers are kind of left to their own devices, and that's kind of interesting to me. But 
these SEC athletes are going to be imperative for Ole Miss to come out on top. I want to see what the wide receivers look like. I want to see with all those oars on the depth chart, um, who is starting at slot, who is starting at tight end, who is starting at the outside wide receivers. Because honestly, um, let's just be real about this. If you're going to put 60 oars on the preseason depth chart, um, the first game depth chart, when it gets to game six, the Kentucky game, and something goes wrong, you are no longer able to use depth as an excuse. Because either you have the players or you don't. There's a situation that could develop off of this depth chart and everything is going on. And I do believe that this team is the deepest in my lifetime and the talent transformation is absolutely through the roof. But there's a possibility, and I think we need to discuss it, could this team be like the basketball team that claims to be 11, 12 deep that plays seven players by the end of the season? I, I'm I'm just curious and asking questions about that because I think I think that's relevant for whatever reason. It should should be relevant. But like I said, this is a deep team. This is a game that Ole Miss should win because they should be able to out-athlete their opponents. Now, I'm not saying they're covering necessarily, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm going to cover that on Friday when I do our SEC After Dark crew. We do our picks that day. So our my pick will be on there there. But I think that Ole Miss is going to win this game, but I'll break down exactly why whenever we do those picks. But I'm expecting SEC-level athletes. I'm expecting Chris Partridge to have some growing pains at defensive coordinator. I'm expecting um, some growing pains from Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss on the offensive side. A new quarterback. There's so many new players and so many unknowns. I, I I want to put eyes on all of that for the first time and see exactly how it looks. Because this potentially could be a fantastic team this season. Period. There's, there's not really a way you can get around that. This could be a potential 10-2 team. It also could be a potential 5-7 and seven team, even with all of this talent. So understand, whenever you watch this game, there's still a big swing that could happen. This team is a high-ceiling, low-four team. And anywhere in the middle is what they can hit. Now, if the floor is 5-7 and seven and the ceiling is 10-2, and two, they're probably going to hit 8-4, and four, somewhere in there. But... That is big for this team. If they can hit that number and play relatively well doing it, that will springboard them into 2023 and expectations happen then. Everybody talks about Ole Miss and the Sugar Bowl last year and everybody's excited about the season, buying season tickets the whole nine yards. But next year is the year with expectations. Everything is building towards that. Now, there's going to be players leave. That's the reason they came here, so they could get out of school in a year and get in the NFL. That's the reason they're here. But there will be plug-and-play opportunities through the transfer portal next year as well because there's going to be some one-year players. There's going to be some two-year players. There's going to be some three-year players that are going to be available under the transfer portal. And players that develop in the lower levels, like Troy Brown at Central Michigan, they're going to be available next year. So 
should be quite good to see. I, I'm, I'm looking forward. Ole Miss should win this game because, honestly, they should out-athlete their opponents. And we're going to get into in this next segment, you know, what they need to avoid Saturday to prevent this game from getting really uncomfortable because it does have the potential to get really uncomfortable. I don't think it has the potential for Ole Miss to lose. I could be wrong about that, but there is a potential for this game to get uncomfortable for Ole Miss, and I'll tell you what that looks like um, in the next segment. So it should be a lot of fun. I mean, everything I've heard, everything I've read, everything I've seen, um, is pointing towards Jackson Dart, despite what people are saying. Um, it could be Luke Altmaier. This could be a um, thing, because remember last year, and this is the thing that whenever I they say, what position do you, are you sure about the quarterback? What's your confidence level? And I'm like, never above 90%, because I remember what happened last year when Ole Miss broke out a completely new defense. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew anything tactically about it. And they're just like, wow, the defense looks pretty good today. That's cool. And they obviously had no idea that any of that was happening because they just were simply remembering what happened in 2020. That is the reason I will not take my confidence percentage up to 100%. No matter what my prediction is. Because it is absolutely possible that the first play of the game, they trot Luke, Walt, Luke Altmaier out there. Because that is the games the staff likes to play. It's fine. It is what it is. But we will see um, this Saturday against Troy. In this game, Ole Miss is a 21.5 point favorite per bet online. And you can look at it to where... If you bet $100, you can win $870 on the money line from Troy. And if you bet $1,500 to win $100 on Ole Miss, um, the over-under is at 57 and a half. Honestly, um, I, I don't know what to make of that. I'll, I'll get to that in the next segment. But right now, bet online is the easiest and fastest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online sports source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. I'm sure they will give you an MLS line if you say pretty please. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting. Scores, podcasts, they have you cover. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a five-star review on those platforms. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review, and um, we would appreciate that greatly. Now, we're going to move on to what do we need to avoid Saturday. How can this game get uncomfortable? How can it be a game that's 31-21 in the fourth quarter or something like that? Something that you're expecting to go a different way. And the obvious answer, obviously, would be turnovers. If Ole Miss turned the ball over, killed drives that way, swung momentum towards Troy, yes, the game could get uncomfortable for Ole Miss that way. But... 
if Ole Miss gets off to a slow start, let's say the first quarter Ole Miss, you know, there's a three and eight out to start with, and Troy gets a little momentum going early. And they're able to get a little bit of confidence. This is a game where Troy could end up having 35 minutes of time of possession per Josh Boutwell um, from the Troy Messenger because he talked about Troy's offense being the old Brett Bielema style, the old Wisconsin, what Illinois does type offense, although I think it's going to look a little bit more like Kentucky, but we'll see exactly there. There's, there is a chance of high time of possession, and I expect Troy to snap the ball at seven, five seconds on the play clock, and because of that, they're going to be able to shorten the game. So Ole Miss is going to be imperative them for them to start quickly. It's going to be imperative for them to move the change, for the offense to stay on the field, and to come out of that first quarter as the lead. Now, if they don't, you're looking at a situation, like I said, the 31-21 is a possibility. I don't think Troy can win this game, but they can make it uncomfortable. And that's how they would make it uncomfortable taking that slow start from Ole Miss, maybe a 7-0 Troy lead, and then Ole Miss having to fight back. And Ole Miss eventually passes them in the fourth quarter because of the SEC-level athletes. But it's a game that could be scored because Troy has a history of beating teams. It was like three years ago they went to Tiger Stadium and beat LSU. They were the original anytime, anywhere, anyplace team they're not going to be intimidated by coming into that atmosphere. John Sumrall, when he comes back after a year at Oxford, is not going to be intimidated walking into Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. I'm not saying they're coming here expecting to win. I think they're coming here hoping to win, and they need good stuff to happen early. So that fast start by Ole Miss is important, at least avoiding a slow start. And after that, you can let Zach Evans work, Ulysses Bentley, Quinshawn Judkins, and just kind of maul them at the line of scrimmage. Because those SEC-level athletes, whenever I say that, it really pertains to the defense of an offensive line. Because it's just a little bit different in the Southeastern Conference at those two positions. So, we'll see. Don't force the ball into coverage. Take care of the ball. Let your athletes win the game. That is the secret to Saturday for Ole Miss. Now, it's a 4 o'clock kickoff Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. It'll be opposite of Georgia and Oregon. Uh, so, that get TV1 and TV2 ready. But there's several games this weekend. I mean, Tennessee Ball State, um, that should be a little bit of fun. Um Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz against Louisiana Tech and Sonny Cumbie. That should be fun. Um, that's the Thursday night game. So as we get closer to the end of the week, we're going to ramp up our content. We have um, tonight, or yeah, t- tonight we'll have the press conference highlights. And that's kind of it. Um, we're going to take last night's spaces and put it on Thursday. And we are going to do three games on Thursday, along with the regular Loom podcast. On Friday, we'll do the Loom, we'll do the SEC After Dark picks, and the Uniform Reveal video to go along with maybe Josh Boutwell or something like that. 
So we're going to be previewing this game from all sorts of angles, and you're going to be able to hear from a ton of people on the channel if you want to do that. Um, that that's important because I've said over and over again, our whole thing is commentary and perspectives. It doesn't matter what I say. Some people get into this because they want to be famous. I don't want to get into it because I want to be famous. If I wanted to be famous, I would live in Oxford, not 2,000 miles away. But Derek Vandegrift, Kerry McCutcheon, Tom Vanderford, typical contributors on the show, Jeb Beecham, Corey Burton, a high school coach in Nashville, Jake Thomas from the Tide Talk podcast. He's going to talk about the game as well. Um, the Hammer, Bossman Slim from Biscuits and SEC. They're going to talk about the game as well. You have your Josh Boutwell. So all of this is really cool. All of this is really good, and I'm going to try and for next week for Central Arkansas to get um, Joe DeLeon and to talk about the FCS schools. He's the guy we bring on for FCS teams. He's incredibly knowledgeable, so that's what we'll do next week to get him on. So we'll, we're going to try and keep this formula that we're doing this week and extend it throughout the season. It's a ton of voices, man. It's a ton of voices. Even on the postgame show, we have Mike Espy and Bill Flowers. You're going to be able to hear it from all different areas, and it's besides me, because honestly, my opinion is just an opinion, just like yours. And I think people miss that from time to time. I'm going off on a rant here, and I know that. Um, we have Charles Stackhouse coming up in segment three, so give, give me a minute on this one. Whenever people cover a game, okay, I put it in air quotes there, when they cover it, Whenever they report facts, that is where their value lies. Whenever they see things and report things that exactly what they saw, that is where their value lies. When they get into the opinion realm, which is 98% of our world now, they're at a disadvantage over somebody that is actually a fan of the school and, and paying really close attention to it. Because their opinion is not going to be as good as your opinion. Now, you might want to hear what they have to say. That's absolutely fine. You should get perspectives from all over the place. But don't poo-poo your own opinion because somebody else said something. It's okay to have your opinion. It's okay to think the way you want to think. Because at the end of the day, whether you're right or wrong, what you think about things is going to frame how you enjoy it. And this whole channel is about making following Ole Miss sports fun again. Because for five, seven years, it just wasn't. Pretty much since the Sugar Bowl in 15, until Lane Kiffin got here, there was just a black hole. And it's almost like fun was discouraged and everybody was snarky and, and it was just pitiful. So, that's the reason we're doing this. We want this to be fun. We want you to have as many perspectives, and we want you to have an opinion. Please put it below in the comments section because your opinion matters just as much as mine, just as much as Josh Boutwell's, just as much as um, Jeb Beecham's on the SEC After Dark picks. It, it matters just the same much. All I am is a medium for you to express it. 
that's how I view this. I'm, I'm not in this for clout. I'm not in this to be famous. I'm not in this to do any of that. I'm in this just to basically be a conduit so you can have a community that you can be proud of. So, sorry, I just got off on a little rant a little bit. Charles Stackhouse coming up after the break. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Do not forget to rate and review us at iTunes and Spotify. Give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. I am here with Charles Stackhouse in our Alumni Hall segment that we do each week. And we just kind of want to talk about it. He played 98 under Tuberville, so he was there for that changeover between Tub and Cut. He that three to nothing season opener against Memphis. He was there for that, and he also saw the seven overtime um, Arkansas game. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing very well, Steve. Doing very well. Uh, it's been it's been a it's been a while since we're going down memory lane, man. And and as soon as you said something about it, I I could feel the the brain neurotransmitter starting <laughs> to spark up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, before we get started, you're, you're doing um, some graphic design type work now? Well, it's more crypto-related work, okay. Uh, okay. cryptocurrency-related work, uh, something I've been working on for a while. Uh, but I, I, my brother does graphic design work. He's uh, big into that. And uh, mostly mostly what I do is work with different crypto, you know, work with this cryptocurrency called Alpha Genesis. And, you know, it's just one of those legit cryptocurrencies, which is hard to find nowadays. <laughs> but it's one of those, you know, that that pretty much, uh, you know, creates utilities for crypto, for different crypto tokens. So that's that's part of what I'm a part of now. You know, I'm a big part in crypto and getting some of the uh, we have this thing we call Ballers in Crypto, which is a podcast we have, which we're trying to get. A lot of the NFL players that we played with and a lot of guys that's currently playing, you know, kind of get them into that merger with crypto and NFTs to where they can really make money off of their names. And, you know, even when they're retired, you know, they still have royalties that they can bring into their pocket. So that's that's what, what we're working on now, me and a couple other NFL guys. Okay. Um, and also, like you played in the league um, for the Giants and the Vikings, correct? Yes. Oh. Uh, is there a team in the NFL that you follow after you got out? Well, I do. Uh, I follow the Giants a lot, you know, just because I, that that's where I, I had my biggest holdings when I played. Uh, and I follow them a lot. I, I, I like the NFL. I'm, you know, close to Tennessee Titans, so I watch them a lot. And, uh, you know, pretty much I'm a college guy, so, you know, I love my Rebels, man. I love to watch my Rebels play. I'll, I'll be there this weekend to watch them play. Okay, um, have you followed camp at all and what's going on at Ole Miss? I have, man. I'm very excited about this running back tandem we have uh, with uh, Zach Evans, and I think he's going to be uh, uh, one of those ballerific type of guys. And, uh, you know, two quarter, two running backs in the top 25. I mean, you can't go wrong there. And I've been watching, you know, I, I see the offensive line, you know, I see that they're uh, making moves there. They're getting strong, stronger there. And I think it's going to be an interesting season to watch the Rebels this year. I think people, you know, some people may count us out, but I think they're going to be in for a big surprise by the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and they've changed, in the last 20 years, they've completely shut down 
camp access and things like that. What's a camp memory that you might have had whenever from your Ole Miss playing days? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, one of my biggest memories was the workouts. You know, at the camp, well, we had a guy by the name of Mendoza, and he was uh, one of those Samoan huge guys. I think he could, like, bench press something like 550, almost 600 pounds. But he worked He worked us. We had this thing that uh, we go in and we hit every single station in the weight room for like a minute nonstop, every single station around, kind of like a county fair type of deal. And my biggest memory from training camp was like going to work out and going to the field like, man, my body's already, you know, deplenished. It's, it's, there's nothing there almost. And, you know, going out there and working and getting better, you know, that was that – was, uh, you know, we had great, great players, Deuce McAllister, Romero Miller, great defense, you know, amazing, amazing team. So it was always fun out there. I don't know if you've been around any of those guys, Romero, Deuce, and Derek Burgess, Kendrick Clancy, uh, Amiga Spearman. Those guys, are Ken Lucas, those guys are like comedians out on the field. So you're almost out there trying to be serious in training camp, but they're not allowing you to because they're always cracking jokes about the heat, about – how tired they are so it, it, it was a it was a it was a pretty good thing man uh training camp is just one of those things that wear you out it's, it's designed to wear you out so you're worn out before you even hit the field so it's it's just one of those deals man i could just remember the 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 blue game it was the red and blue game and we're out there and they're like man this is the end of training camp this is you know this is the end and we're finally here and and everything is just going so fast and you're playing against your your, your own players on your team. And it, it's, it's just an amazing, extraordinary feeling when you're out there, man. It's it's probably different than watching because when you're out there, so much excitement, so much action. You don't realize you're tired until coach call it up at the end of practice, you know. So it's a pretty yeah. good deal, man. Yeah, you mentioned County Fair earlier. And um, when I worked at Ole Miss back in the mid-2000s, like the mid-aughts, um, I'm interested. Now, the County Fair was like, y'all did, did that seriously like when y'all first came back in January, right? That was yes. like a two-week two circuit. Tell tell people how almost grueling and miserable that experience was. I'll tell you, uh, there's no room for breaks. Uh, you go straight through each each uh, each section you get to is harder than the one you just left, and it's just not just imagine uh, going uh, into the weight room and you see all of those different setups for weights, all of the different setups for you know your your plyos and everything, and you have to hit every last one of them nonstop, and. I'll tell you, it's a true detox. If you've been out messing around during the summer and not staying in shape, uh, county fair is going to pull it out of you. It, <laughs> they're going to know after after halfway through county fair if you've been out messing around because you'll be over there by the by the garbage cans trying to clean yourself out. So it's 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 gruesome, man. It's gruesome. Yeah, um, county fair is kind of like a shotgun. It's a self teaching tool. So it's just readily apparent if you did you did it wrong. You you act, it's one of those things that you really pay for. Anyway, let's start to go down memory lane right now. Let's start with the um, I forget it was ninety eight or ninety nine. I forget the date, but it was a three nothing game, a season opener against Memphis. 
Describe yes. a little bit that game because there's I don't know if my in my lifetime there's been another three to nothing game that has happened. Well, it was I tell you those guys came ready to play that day, it's, and it's and it's all based on the fact that they've been wait they've waited for so long they had waited for so long to get an opportunity to play a SEC school, and they always feel like they they belong in the caliber of uh, you know Ole Miss and you know, Vanderbilt and the other SEC schools out there. And so it was a tough game. It was a tough game. We came in with our mindset on it was going to be a tough game. And, you know, me being from Arkansas, right across the bridge from Memphis, it was a huge game for me. You know, it was like everybody from my hometown was there because they support Memphis. And, you know, I was at Ole Miss and, and Memphis recruited me very hard. And I'm pretty sure they had something on their shoulder about me not going there. And so it was it was one of those games that it, it, we knew it was going to be a, a knuckle fight when we made it out there because those guys didn't give up. It was just like nonstop. They had, you know, they they did their during their weeks. They prepared for us very well and, and ended up being a, a shootout type of game, you know, to where it made the best team win. And we ended up on top by three. Thank God I didn't have to go back home and like, oh, man, we all lost to Memphis. You suck and all of that. <laughs> I didn't have to hear all of that. So. It, it was a strenuous game, and I, I actually I was fortunate enough to uh, I'm I'm I, I remember a toss. They gave me a toss. I'm I may be talking about the wrong year, but I remember when I played Memphis, I scored a touchdown because I remember it was my first college touchdown, and it was my first time scoring, and it was against Memphis, so it was like this big huge deal on a mm -hmm. toss. You know, the fullback scored, and you know. And that's that's my memory from playing Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> it was my uh, first touchdown of my seat of my college career. Yeah, uh, and um, now whenever you watch college football and everything, a fullback is you guys are an endangered species. It is, man. <laughs> uh, I've I've you know my last when I hurt my shoulder, you know, and I was with Minnesota. Then I ended up going back to the Giants, but when I left. The reason of me leaving Minnesota, I was injured, of course, but they were getting rid of the fullback totally, just like most of the teams in the NFL. They, they, you, the eye formation is almost, you know, it's it's hardly ever seen unless you're in goal line. And, you know, they're, they are getting rid of the fullback. But I, to me, that's like one of the most important positions for a quarterback and a, uh, and a tailback because we're their first line. You know, we're their first line of protection. You know, if someone slips through, the fullback has to grab him. If the fullback's not there to grab him, he's got a free lane to the quarterback. If the fullback's not there to grab him, he's got a free lane to the tailback. So to see them, you know, kind of like moving away. And I'll tell you where I really saw the biggest difference when I left New York Giants as of when I was a fullback there, they were trying to move to the single back as well. But when I left and I went to Minnesota, I think it was like 2003, like Tiggy, Tiggy Barber, broke a fumble record because they didn't give him a fullback. You know, he didn't have that same, you know, it's, it's, it's different when you're in that single back and someone comes free than when you're in the eye back and someone comes free. So it, it was a tough season for him, man. And I, I really wish they would, you know, bring those guys back, you know, bring, bring the fullbacks back to the running game like they used to. You'll see uh, running backs last a lot longer. You'll see uh, – a lot more progression with the running game. You know, they, they really are moving away from that in the NFL. I noticed that when my years, my final years playing there, I noticed that. Mm -hmm. um, what was your favorite road trip in the SEC? 
And the SEC, I would have to say uh, Alabama, you know, Alabama, when uh, whether it's uh, Auburn or whether it's the University of Alabama, those games are so like ecstatic. Like it like it's when you come to go to play Alabama and you see that roll going around that stadium and things like that, that is it's it's almost intimidating in a way. But it's it's, you know it's football it's it's fun it's you you hear the people cheering it's it's like one of those road trips that where you know you're going for business but at the same time you get the experience you know the 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 feeling of people being excited about football kind of like when you go to oxford you can feel it in the air as soon as you pull in you know as soon as you pull in oxford you can feel you can see old miss everywhere you can see the people with their shirts their jerseys and it's just in the atmosphere uh one of my favorite places to play was old miss you know, out of all of the places I went in the NFL, out of all of the places where I went in college, my favorite place to play was, you know, an Ole Miss because the Grove, there's nothing like it before and after, you know, uh, the tradition, there's nothing like it. You know, these these fans, they are so into Ole Miss and they have every reason to because we've had some great players come through Ole Miss, you know, you know, from Deuce to, to Metcalf to both Metcalfs, the father and the son. And, you know, I mean, we've had some amazing players come through there. And that was one of my favorite places to play. I know you say road trip. Yeah, yeah Alabama was good, but there's nothing like Oxford. <laughs> but but you answered that question, and that leads me into another question. What was that trip to Auburn like to face Tommy Tuberville for the first time? Uh, For me, I'll tell you, give you guys a little insider that you probably didn't know. But uh, we had a meeting before we left to go to that game, uh, they had a couple of us on the hit list. Uh, they wanted us out of the game. And me being one of those players, and it showed the, like, like it, for me, it was more like emotional heading down there because, you know, those guys are the ones that recruited me. Uh, Tuberville, they was the ones that recruited me. And it was just an emotional weekend just to think that, you know, they didn't want me to play in that game. And that showed from the first play of that game when they took me out of the game you know, with the low blow to the knee. And we were told that those type of things were probably going to happen because they got an inside scoop that, hey, some of the guys were, you know, going to target, you know, Charles Stackhouse, Deuce McAllister, Romero Miller, you know, the, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. Jamie Armstrongs, the receivers, they had us targeted, you know, and going down on that, on that bus, man, I could just think like, man, you know, uh, they want us and I want them. <laughs> you know, so it was that it was that silence the whole time that focus like, man, I can't wait. And, you know, like I said, unfortunately, you know, that first play of the game, I had a pass from Romero in the flats and they took me out of the game. I tore my leg. They tore my labrum. Uh, I had to get knee surgery after that. I was out for like six weeks, I think, and came back for the bowl game, mm -hmm. I think. So that was that was my trip down to Auburn, man. I had a lot on my mind, and yeah. uh, the trip back was a lot more. You know, was a lot more was a lot was I would say was worse than the trip there, because you know we we lost that one. Uh, I'm injured. No, no, Corey Peterson called called the pass in overtime. No, no, <laughs> that's right. That guy. I'm 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 somewhere else. Corey Peterson. Yeah, eighty five. Yeah, got the pass at the end. I remember that, man. I remember that. 
Yes, but for me, man, I was I had a lot on my mind after that yeah. game, man. I, I knew that I was injured. I I couldn't walk on my leg. It was just mm-hmm. like walk like one of my legs was a piece of air and the other one was my bones. And it was it was a tough. It was tough, man. That was a tough one. All right. Before we get out of here, talk about the um seven overtime Arkansas game and what that was like for a player. Oh my goodness, man. I in my whole career of playing NFL, uh, anything else, that's the most tired I have ever been playing football. Seriously. I mean, like, when the game was over, you know how you have wobbly legs? My legs were literally, like, every step I had to pace myself because they were wobbly. Like, they they just didn't want to, you know, they were shaky because I was so tired. And uh, I remember when I got into bed that night, I was like, man. When is this aching going to stop? You know, and I woke up the next morning and couldn't hardly get out of bed. I had to go straight to see Tim Mullins in the training room. <laughs> I was, uh, that was a, that was a special game for me as well. Being from Arkansas, you know, being from West Memphis, Arkansas, uh, on the other side of Arkansas from Fayetteville, but that was a big game for me. You know, it, it, it was, it took a lot out of me. Because, you know, I thought it was over after that sixth overtime when I scored that touchdown. I was like, <laughs> yes, it's over. It's finally over. And freaking uh, well, the quarterback, uh, Matt. Matt Jones, yeah. Matt Jones, man. He <laughs> and I, I, It was just like yesterday. I could see him when he came out of the pocket and hit the sideline. I'm like, oh, no. And he was gone, man. And he was yeah. gone. And that was that was like that was like a true heartbreaker for me, man. Because seven overtimes, nobody wants to lose after going in that many overtimes. You know, nobody wants to lose. And being from Arkansas, I had to hear it for the next. Like going into the gas stations over there, they have the book still over there, Seventh Heaven, Arkansas. You can read the book about the whole game, and I, it's just ah nightmare. <laughs> But I, I say it, we felt we felt special though, man, because it took a lot. It took a lot for us to keep fighting through that after the second overtime. Because I mean, how long was that game? Something crazy, like what, three, four hours, something like that. I mean, like it was it was a lot. It took a lot out of us, but that was a special game, man. And I and it'll ever, forever be in my memories. I've never in my life experienced anything like that playing football. Seriously. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Your local team experts on Locked On and the Odyssey NFL Insiders are all combining on one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Charles, Thank you so very much for coming on the show. Um, here in just a second, I want to catch you offline. But until then, man, hotty toddy, bud. All right, man. Thank you for having me, bro.